Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. Oh, hello boys. Oh, hello. Oh, what an intro. It's almost like I meant it to be such a rough entrance. Rough like how you look now. You generally look homeless. Uh, I have had a few comments about the beard. Uh, my boss's boss said something on a Zoom call I was on the other day. That said sometimes I've... Um, Brett, I see you've not trimmed your beard. Um, and I thought, oh no, I'm making a very bad impression here. Turns out he thought it was hilarious. And I said, like, I'm not going to basically trim it now until at least lockdown finishes. Um, and I have to be obviously let loose and see someone and kind of look more professional. But Which to be fair, is probably going to be a long time. Yeah, it's like Adam Hill didn't shave his beard, the comedian, he didn't shave his beard. Uh, until Brexit was over from the start of uh, when we said we were going to come out uh, to the end and he, he just looked horrendous. Uh, yeah, well, yes. But I'm glad you said I look rough. Is it just the beard or, or other things? Yeah, no, look, everything else looks better. looking tidy. a bit tired or... No, no. No, so I, I like how you've trimmed your moustache, but not um, the... Uh... You have to, I have to trim the, the moustache, otherwise food gets caught into it. Um, and also, it like hangs with the lip and it irritates you. And I constantly, mm. and obviously, I said, oh, I'm saying fucking obviously every week. Oh my days! Sorry, I'm going to check myself. Um, I said to someone recently about beards being like a death trap in this current pandemic, because it's like a, a fishing net for catching the virus. You know, catching catching viral DNA or RNA, I should say. Um, also, isn't really bad irritant, which means you constantly touch your face. So yeah. basically, it's just if you want to survive this pandemic, don't have a beard. Did you have you seen the like the meme little video thing of the guy with the massive beard who's like no face mask, no problem, and just yeah. pulls his beard up and does he put like a pair of sunglasses on or something to hold it in place? Christ um, alive! It's quite funny, it, but it, like completely goes up over his head and yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, um, yeah, I've, speaking of face masks, I've just seen so many idiots misusing them, and you just think, Jesus, you know that that could be used elsewhere. That could be used by somebody who generally needs it, and you just think, yeah, just you want to slap people. Oh, I just I don't even want to get on the topic of face masks. This is this like I get sucked into Facebook arguments around all things political and COVID nineteen. Do you really? Related. Really? Yeah, I really. Do, do you really? And to be honest, I get. <laughs> I get so frustrated with kind of talking to people that just like make statements without any evidence. And I don't mind people making statements without any evidence as long as they show it as such. But it's like, well, we know this. And we know it's like, do we though? Where's your evidence? Because I know for well that it doesn't exist. And they're like, and they never come up with it. And it just gets so irritating. It reminds me of obviously every single conversation you'd ever have in like a keto group or a vegan group or something. I don't know. <laughs> We've just fucked off all our ketogenic listeners and all the vegan oh, listeners. Hey. We don't hate either of you. In fact, we love you. Just, just don't like it when people get zealot about it. Like Bill Gates going to kill everyone. Yeah, yeah, that's another. Like, imagine being poor old Bill Gates right now. Poor bastard. That's mental, isn't it? Yeah. Someone, yeah. someone posted on um, um, remember the guy who owns Hill, James Collier, is it? He put a post up or something that about that being Bill Gates now and that that little meme has gone round. And some guy said, "Oh, but we know he's killed his his vaccine kill half, not killed, paralyzed half million kids around the world." I said, "Do you? Where's the evidence then?" And his reply was, "Open your eyes, mate." I said, "Do the research." I said, "Everyone who says do the research has never done any fucking research in their entire life." Yeah. Show me the evidence. Did he end? Did he end his sentence with something like "stop" or, or "come on, sheeple" or something like that? No. Said, come out from under your rock. Oh. So I agree with like the first ten hits or twelve hits on Google, WHO, a few other people have just said it's all false, and given all the data for the polio vaccines. Like Here you are, he's got no all that's fucking false. Just media driven. I said exactly what you're reading then as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From source, you fucking tell him. Yes, no. Anyway, that's enough. Ho- hopefully, we've lost any anti-vaxxers that we uh, had listened. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can guarantee the first like the anti-vaxxers they'll be the first people to uh, be moaning about the way the virus is being handled and all that sort of stuff won't you? yes they are uh, they're, they're the first these they're, they are those individuals that are basically blaming the likes of Bill Gates or 5G fucking masts so it's like called the uh, protests in America the anti-lockdown protests and um, there was a great video of a guy in his scrubs 
um, must have been a doctor or a nurse or whatever, and uh, he. They, they, so they were blocking a road, and um, they had a big banner and everything. He just charged through the banner, ripped it out of their hands, threw it over a fence, uh, and started screaming at them all. Um, whatever he read, I didn't have the sound on. Um, but yeah, screaming at them all times, basically, jog on, stop being dickheads, because they're all sort of stood in the road holding hands. Yeah. Well, this is all about um, 5G controlled bats that are implanting some form of microchips or something in everybody. And- we're all, being, we're all being distracted by some type of, I don't know, man-made virus that's put out there to try and, you know, do a bit of Darwinism. Just imagine if that was true, then, and how silly we'd all look. While everyone is posting on Facebook and their GPS-enabled smartphones, knowing exactly <laughs> where they are at all times, 99% of the time, of all their daily lives. People are so dull, it's, it's, it's beyond comprehension sometimes how stupid people are. Yes, it's quite annoying. Just Pretty much. Anyway, anyone been doing anything interesting this week before we move on to something probably less interesting? But... <laughs> we uh, took Nala for a walk today and we went to a place about 10 minutes away from my house uh, where there's like a path along a stream and everything. And um, and it was her first experience in a, like basically a rivery, streamy type thing. And uh, we were a bit like, oh God, we don't know because she's a bit scared of the sprinkler and stuff in the garden. So we didn't know whether she would go into the water or not and she basically dove headfirst into it as soon as we got there so yeah we have a dog that likes water and the mud uh, so that's my weekly gnarler update i haven't done anything interesting really apart from started running again <clears throat> i find if i run like three four times a week my legs my knees will hurt like constant running so i'll <clears throat> run for a couple of minutes fast walk run walk i can i can maintain a better frequency that way, training more often. So that's not really interesting at all, but that's just what I've done. Why have you started Mostly running? this week. Why you are. Why have you started running, Johnny? Because I'm eating a bit too much. And if I go out to make, make a consistent effort to do it, it'll become more of a habit. I'll do more often. Help me lose some timber. So I can get yeah. away with it more than I. I know I shouldn't be doing it that way, but get a bit bored in, you, in lockdown picking in the fridge so that oh, I've got to run in less time in the house picking more time burning calories and it does motivate you a bit more to not eat so much you know what I mean and it's good for you really isn't it? well even though your knees and hips but I can't <laughs> so have you now put on so because you were dieting for the last three years have you now put all that weight back on no I, I got to before I went and I started I was 198 I think I was Pounds. That's a lot of kilos, Johnny. <laughs> no, not 198 kilos. I'm like, I'm, I'm averaging about between 207 and 209, roughly. Not too bad, then. Not no. too bad. Yeah, so I'm trying to maintain that. Johnny, didn't you tell us once that you put on something like 10 pounds overnight or something ridiculous? Yeah. I, I don't know what happens to me. If I eat, if, if I eat, it's not like, no, it's obviously quite a lot of food, don't get me wrong, but I can fluctuate loads in a day. A lot. Maybe maybe the scale is just crap, you know, like 20 quid scale maybe, but I've always been the doer, like diet quite hard. I used to cheat meal back, you know, back in the day, you know, hard go diet every week, cheat meal on, cheat day, I should say, not meal. Gain mega pounds the next day and do all again the week after. My mum once, um, she was trying to weigh herself a bit more consistently and she was using the scales on the hard bathroom floor and she weighed herself a couple of, couple of days in a row and then she weighed herself and she's like, Edward, Edward, I don't know what's happened but I've lost two stone overnight. <laughs> so I went into the bathroom to have a look and uh, she'd put the scales on the bath mat um, yeah. and it just completely threw the scales off. <laughs> um, so I moved them and told her to weigh again and she was so disheartened she'd actually put on a bit of weight overnight. <laughs> uh, I'm sure she didn't actually think she'd lost two stones, seriously. Um, I, I, I think that's why she called me in. But I, if I said, yeah, yeah, no, you have, Mum, she'd have been like, you're the best. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, little, little, it's one of those small things, isn't it? Like people who put the scales on the carpet, like it's going to be a completely different reading to if you put it on a, a hard, flat floor. Um, yeah, it's one of those small things that if you, if you don't know better, then 
Yeah, how, how are you supposed to know? Yeah, we've joked a lot about people in MyFitnessPal and the way a lot of them use that. And I was like, well, if you don't know, as in like putting your raw weights in as your cooked weights or mm-hmm. um, not checking it, values and those yeah, types of stuff. Yeah, taking it as possible. Yeah. Uh, oh. Steak and kidney pie is only 10 calories. But hey. I'll eat 50 of those. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anything interesting happened to you, Brett? Nah. Nothing at all that I can think of. Um, so let's not bore everyone with me trying to think of something interesting. I saw um, somewhere on a balance bike. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, she, uh, Alex is a big uh, big fan of balance bikes because she teaches a lot of kids to ride bikes at school. I was going to so. say, isn't she a bit old for one, mate? <laughs> She's still not learning. I know you like uh, her young, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> God, <laughs> um, she uh, so yeah, we both both seen it, but uh, she was going down a hill pretty quick on on that. that was, she, uh... She's rapid, in fact. <laughs> I mean, she's fell off obviously a lot of times. And yeah. what do you not know make me laugh though when she falls and checks herself, unless it's really bad, and then she obviously howls. But she keeps going, cure as if like cure, <laughs> and then like shakes her hand like it really hurts, but like in a in a comical way, like cure. And I'm like, where did you get cure from? She said some funny things. Like this morning, I said to her, she had some of these Belvita bre- breakfast biscuits. She had a couple and dipped them in, in tea and she was eating them. Very funny. Like, she's fucking two and she's dipping biscuits in tea. But she drink um, the tea? Or she, she will sometimes, tea? yeah. She will sometimes. Yeah. She has her own little cup, one of my little espresso cups that she, we make tea with. But anyway, um, I said, how many of those are you eat? she went, mm, plenty, actually. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you're two. But honestly, she watches too much crap on YouTube, and she's just picking up all these little phrases from people, like obviously like older kids on there. Yeah, like Chinese people seem to be the the, the new craze there's, at the moment. There is, like... yeah, there's um there's a big channel on there. Uh, I can't remember what the channel's called, but I think it's like Jani and someone, and they're like I think they're like Asians in America, but um they they got millions of subscribers, and I, they get all these toys, and they've got a massive house. I think Christ, they must be making some money. There's another yeah. UK. There's a UK one I think called Bonnie Ruby and Bonnie, which she likes watching as well. Which is like, like it's just some. I, mean, I, I won't guess single mum because I don't know. But uh, you only ever see the mum and and two kids. Um, but they just go around like toy shops, playing with toys and just do it, making like little pretend play stuff out of those, um, or like making slime at home and things. And like she just sits there and watches them over and over again. Like honestly, she would sit there for five hours straight watching them. I reckon. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, crazy. Yeah, I know when I've been round to my sister's house and like she's my uh, cousin who's just a shade older than oh uh, Johnny, Brett, um, <laughs> Johnny and Brett's girls, and uh, she she'll just sit there on my on my sister's phone, just like binge watching YouTube videos when like just to keep her occupied, especially at the moment because they can't really go out places and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's not, scary. It's, but, yeah. it's hard because you think to yourself as a parent. Mm, should probably not allow them to sit there and just stare at a phone for for like an hour straight like she never obviously said that for five hours but like there has been times where she's had it for like an hour and i'm like she needs to get off that now like i can't sit there and let her just stare at that she needs to go do something else so yeah. it's difficult because obviously we can't do a lot else we mm-hmm. we we go out walks all the time like especially now obviously lockdown has uh been relaxed a little bit oh nearly grasped myself up then oh um <laughs> just just in the two weeks christ alive so, but anyway, we obviously, she, I do make sure she's active. Like she, like you said, bounce bike, she absolutely loves getting out and stuff. And she is um, absolutely rapid and, and like does a lot to it. But she can also, it also worries me how much time like she spends on things like technology and uh, bear in mind she's two. She can sit there and pretty much work on iPhone. She can't, t- she can't get into an iPhone. Like she don't know how to put passcodes and stuff. But I give her YouTube. She can go through and just select videos, press play, like skip and stuff like that. So she can yeah. sit there and basically, once she gets on YouTube, work it as however, whatever video she then wants to see. So, it's crazy, isn't it? How worrying stuff up like that. Yeah, you know they wouldn't know which way to hold a pencil. <laughs> no. uh, she can do that. Uh, she can. She can. She can color. <laughs> I wish you'd do more coloring than watching. Yeah, well, I bet there's loads of kids who like have never painted before, but or I bet there's kids out there who have never cut up an Argos catalog and made a wish list from it. Yeah. Probably no. not. But <laughs> hey ho. Anyway, so um, yes, she she is rapid, mate. Um, and I'm glad she is into into some type of exercise. She's really getting into like the gym, as in not training, but just like she just loves being in the gym when I'm training. So yeah. I'm hoping that then rubs off on her when she gets older and wants to obviously get into some form of you know 
good exercise. Whether it's, I mean, I don't want to necessarily have to do resistance training or whatever, but I just hope it kind of resonates to how being active is really important so that when she grows yeah. up, it becomes like a big part of her life. There's a, one of the PTs in the gym that I train in and a couple of times I've seen him with his clients um, and they've had their young kids in where they're like six, seven years old, something like that. And they'll be doing the same exercises, but nine times out of 10 without, uh, you know, just doing it with body weight. And uh, sometimes you'll give them like the one kg dumbbells or something, just basically so that the parents can go to the gym and have their classes without sort of using the excuse of childcare. Um, and then also, yeah, like you say, you know, something might rub off and they might sort of see that important of exercise and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, so it's quite cool. Hmm. Uh, yeah, anyway, so uh, enough chitty chatty. Enough, uh, enough, enough on, you know, listening to t- a call with two of your mates. Um, <laughs> today, uh, we're going to almost showcase. Is that even, is that even, are we being too transparent to say we're, we're showcasing? But... I, we we thought it'd be good to just go through. I, I don't even want to use the word case studies, but I can't think of how else to position it. But just basically go through some of our experiences with coaching some of our clients, just because we thought it might be one interesting for people to hear and understand that. You know how how kind of coaching works. Um, hopefully, take some kind of you know, if it resonates with them. Obviously, take some of the the advice and maybe some of the stuff that they come up with for themselves and improve their own lives. Um, yeah, that's kind of it, really, isn't it? I suppose it. Yeah, like we talk about a lot of stuff and a lot of things that people hopefully can take away and implement in their own life. And you know, we do hear of uh, a few of you who have implemented it, and the, you know, you like to share your sort of progress and change and stuff. Um, but just to kind of show that you know we do kind of uh, use all this information we are providing out with our clients, and hopefully, yeah, like Brett says, if you if you can pick up on some bits here and go, actually, you know, I'm that person. And then you can see how we've dealt with clients that way. It can give you a good insight of how you can maybe tweak and change things yourself. Um, yeah, we sort of picked three, well, case study each um, or clients each that we've worked with over the years. And uh, so they're all a bit different. Um, so we're not kind of doing, you know, <laughs> three blokes who are wanting exactly the same thing. So that'd be boring. But uh, yeah, so we picked kind of three different things. And all our clients have a similar sort of goal. Uh, they're all looking for body recomp mostly. So, you know, there's going to be that sort of theme in common, but hopefully they're all a bit different. So, yeah. Yeah, I think the the, the goal thing, just to reiterate, our our audience, obviously, and the people we work with are generally people that are looking to some form of physical transformation, whether it is like kind of weight loss or whether it's more kind of a longer term goal of build, building a physique in terms of muscle mass and stuff, isn't it? So. I guess yeah, that's where yeah. that's where obviously these cases are just going to focus on because although I've I've said in, in some recent episodes where my my coaching and my my kind of own personal style um, is probably branching out a bit more to kind of some of the more holistic type of stuff for want of a better word so kind of more around food relationships and kind of long term sustainability. That's the better phrase. Not that kind of the stuff that you, you kind of learn from coaching around physique development isn't sustainable because obviously you do learn a lot and you do, and it does also help improve a lot of people's food relationships and stuff still because they're certainly not ex- mutually exclusive. But, you know, like I said, my own coaching is starting to, to kind of branch out around a little bit more towards that. I think, like, generally, though, the people that come to us want to, to obviously either get lean or, or build muscle. Yeah, yeah, and that's, you know, we're not working with a massive array of people. We are working with a lot of the same types of people, which, uh, to be honest with you, it's a huge part of the market as well. It's a huge part of, hopefully, those that are listening to us. You know, we haven't got, we're not working with top-end sports athletes. We're not working with um, people who need, uh, you know, a a 20-stone weight loss type thing. It's kind of not really where we aim ourselves, but obviously, if one came along, then, you know, we think we can help, then we we would help, uh, obviously. Um, But... uh, yeah, we definitely have our kind of target market. I got called out on it the other day. Um, on my Instagram, I was posting uh, just some client things and just sort of saying, you know, uh, just a bit of a shout out really for coaching. And um, somebody messaged me, I can't remember who it was, saying like, basically, why don't you work with these types of people? I was like, because I don't want to. Because <laughs> uh, it's not my target area that I want to work with. <laughs> Uh, I felt a bit bad saying it, but at the same time, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
That's what it is, isn't it? Because it's probably more like you, and you can get on with people, and it's easier to coach, better results. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like I wouldn't turn around to if if I wanted help, like losing a bit of weight, gaining a bit of muscle, or whatever. You know, it's the reason why I've had coaching in the past, or you know, dieting for a photo shoot, or something like that. I wouldn't turn around to somebody who's a power lifter and you know could get me really strong to help me out because it, you know we wouldn't relate on the same level, or you know that sort of thing. So. Um, yeah, pick somebody who's got similar interests and, and all that sort of stuff, don't you? Yeah. Uh, so, Johnny, let's yes. t- talk us talk us through one of your clients then, and just give us a background of kind of why they came to you, what were their barriers, um, kind of actions you guys took as a as a partnership, and kind of what the outcomes were. Okay, I, I, I won't say a name because I don't know whether she want to be you know named or not. But I'll call her G. Yeah, okay. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna say, can we call her Janice? And I had no idea it was actually starting with a J. <laughs> You'd be very surprised how, how close that name is to that name as well. <laughs> I was just gonna randomly. I'm pick not a... gonna give a name away, but it sounds like so, Janice. Uh... <laughs> it, could be a few, it could be a few names similar, to that, but we just call it J, right? So <clears throat> she actually follows the same sort of people we follow. So like Helms, um mine's gone blank. Helms, girls. <laughs> A Donald on it, people, right? So I'm thinking, she's obviously, she obviously has a good understanding of of what is needed. And she she knows, or she knew what to do. So she still knows. But it's, I guess it's like, why do we get coaching? Or why do a lot of people get coaching? They seem to, they need, they know what needs to be done in a broad sense, but they want the accountability and someone almost to do it for them and they don't have to second guess themselves. Because she had <clears throat> her aim was obviously to build muscle. Because she was very lean. I'm talking like she was 123 pound. I think come to me 123 pound. Just light. So she wanted to gain muscle. So <clears throat> in the past, she's had she's had coaching with um I'm not sure the name a female I think it was. And every time she'd gain. A couple of pound, she got into the mind of, oh, I'm getting a bit fluffy, which is unfortunately what happens when you want to build muscle. And she died again. So we all know where that leads. It leads to spinning your wheels. You gain a couple of pound. You don't feel, you're not leaning more. You can't see your abs anymore. You feel a bit bloated, a bit more watery, and you don't like it. So you died again. And then you end up not going anywhere. So that was what was happening to her. And the previous coach she had was always changing the training routine for whatever reason. So <clears throat> you're not going to make, or well, she wasn't making, um, good enough progress because you don't need to change a train routine in terms of exercises, rep ranges all the time. You need to have a structure in place that you can manipulate variables to get you where you want to be. And this coach is just changing things, like totally changing things all the time. And you don't make, obviously, you don't make gains like I do uh, over the long term. So <clears throat> she had a good idea what she needed to do. She was lean. She wanted to gain as much muscle as she could. Um, obviously, being female, they obviously don't tend to carry as much muscle as men on, on average. They are, obviously, they are the outliers. Um, and they don't gain as much muscle as men, obviously just because of genetics and they female totally different than men in terms of that respect. So it's something she needed to do. So in terms of um, issues with food, no issues with food, very motivated, knew what she was doing, needed the accountability and needed someone to go, right, this is what you need to do, just go and do it. Because she is very much like that. So I'm going to do, I'll do it fine so first thing is we <clears throat> set her training up in 15 week blocks she do four four weeks deload four weeks deload four weeks deload then we'd uh, assess things see how it's going and make any changes necessary so you know just well near enough four month blocks so she would week one would <clears throat> start I won't give any any rep range of sets just to give you the principle of what you need to do because everyone's going to be a bit different depending on you know training age so you'd start off 
at a base and then in each week you'd increase the intensity so you'd go from like three reps in reserve to two to one some things might go to failure on the end week before deload but we'd basically increase the volume slightly week to week and increase the intensity week to week deload then the next block of four weeks we would then slightly increase the volume so imagine how over time you're slowly increasing volume and as the weeks go on you're increasing intensity so she's got a structure in place that we can manipulate depending on how she's going and the injury she's got um in terms of how she feels doing certain exercises how the reps are feeling all that sort of stuff so <clears throat> the structure she wanted was there and we could change things when needed because you don't want to be changing things every month, totally changing things, because there's no need. Because you need to be able to build up strength and volume on an exercise. So point doing bench press one week, then change it to from an incline bench, then change it to flies all the time, because you never get, you need to focus on one thing for a sustained period to get better at it. Especially with the new exercises, when you need to create, and also an odd thing to say, that mind-muscle connection to so you feel the muscle and you can get into it because it takes a while for that <clears throat> for the motor pattern to sort of ingrain itself and that's when you see obviously the strength so imagine changing exercises every all the time that are new to you you're never going to see that big strength increase you see in newbies when they've nailed the exercise so everything exercise wise was kept the same for at least the 15 weeks unless something cropped up where there was an injury of some sort, which was aggravated by a certain exercise. Um, in terms of, obviously, in nutrition, um, <clears throat> we looked at where she was, 123 pounds, so light. So <clears throat> looking at the, the, the evidence and the data, you're not going to gain much muscle per month. So I aimed for point set. 0.75% of body weight, body weight, body weight a month. That was my rough goal. That's probably the top end, but I thought I'd rather go for the top end. She gains a little bit more fat than we need. Then, you know, it's fairly easy to diet off, whereas it's very difficult to gain muscle. So I added, that's what I aimed for, I aimed for the top end. So we ended up with slightly over, I think it was like 09 but that's just based on an initial starting weight. Obviously, as you get heavier, that percentage comes down. So she went from 123 to 138 over near enough 20 months. So people are probably thinking that's a long time. Well, it is a long time. However, consider that you're not going to gain hardly anything in these 12-week muscle gain programs you see in magazines or on Facebook ads who just are not going to gain enough to warrant just 12 weeks unless you were slamming in a load of trend and sussed, which a lot of people don't do. Obviously, a natural athlete, you need a, a long period of time to gain muscle. And if you can get it in your head first as last, then you can be less susceptible to buying stupid plans of like 10 weeks, 8 weeks, 12 weeks, which is not going to gain you anything. So she gained that in... 20 months which was pretty much in line with the data she obviously she gained a little bit of fat but not we wanted to eliminate any unnecessary fat and what we do is <clears throat> with her she she went through periods where she felt a bit bloated a bit shitty but, but as in in her clothes and stuff which is about to happen so what we do then is help with the mindset we would not not a diet break but we would mini cut just take a couple of pounds off but it walked off she felt better then we go again to, to just i think obviously you've gone on a lot of detail there just to recap over kind of just basic principle of of kind of what you've done to set up so she came to you in terms oh sorry she came to you as a young oh sorry young <laughs> She came to you as a lean individual with yeah. um, lots of her own knowledge, 
uh, obviously yeah. followed a lot of the the types of people that you and I and, and the rest of the guys would follow in the yeah. industry where you get a lot of your evidence-based information from. So you like to see Eric's Helms, your Knuckles, your Lama Donaldson. So she, clearly she had a, a decent grounding um, yeah. of knowledge and she, she certainly wasn't going to be following any, any zealots out there that you might, you know, that we all fall into the trap of falling a lot of the time when you don't know any better. Um, so you set up a, so you discussed the goals um, yeah. to decide obviously what you want to do, which is obviously improve her physique in terms of her amount of muscle yeah. you then did um or created a progressive training plan in a large block so three meso cycles um i had a question about that so what made you do four weeks and then a deload four weeks deload in terms of having quite like a static structure versus something a bit more fluid so uh, something more re- more reactive rather than having like proactive deloads and then like an, like an auto-regulated Keyload, you mean? Uh, of- yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly that. So instead of like, obviously, you had them preset from the outset. So what what made you have them preset rather than auto regulate them? The plan was start just to go right. Let's let's set it first because I know people are quite notorious and going, yeah, I'm all right. I'll carry on going. I'll carry on going. I'll carry on going. I'll carry on going. Females not so much because they're not so um, ego driven as men are. So I did it static at first, just to see how she'd feel at the, at the in the fourth week, and consistency, consistency, consistently, she would say she'd find the fourth week very, very difficult. So I think right, she finds that fourth week very, very difficult each time. Then I'm going to keep it like this because I know the fourth week. She's finding it hard, really hard. So she'll probably need it. I'd better play on the safe side and have the D load and keep that in and then leave her go again. Yeah. Okay. She, put, she could she probably she could auto regulate, no problem. But I just sat in that structure really because I don't really and then it much to be honest, really, auto regulate. I I, okay. I I don't really have an opinion on what I think is best personally, in terms of whether having something set out or auto regulated. Um, there's pros and cons for both, I guess. Like the having it set out does at least mean you're. It's like a, a preventary method in terms of making sure that you're dissipating fatigue, that you that you're obviously taking blocks to to obviously reduce injury risks and that type of stuff. You can't you can't train balls to the wall forever because obviously you'll break. So there is that, but then obviously the negative side might be seen that you're then potentially missing out on further overreaching or progression because you're you're kind of leaving some stuff on the table as you then take deload weeks so i i think there's kind of horses for courses really what i think preference for a lot of the time will come down in, in my opinion to determine on whether that's set or, or trade but i just thought it was worthwhile asking the question really in terms of what your thoughts were yeah, it's just more something i just i'm probably more used to doing rather than i just having more to regulate even my my own trainer don't tend to auto regulate i may change it when we go back yeah. my 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 personal training for me, um, and I guess that does influence a little bit as well what I then prescribe to clients, but I tend to have set rough weeks, but they will change depending upon at the time. So a little bit like you could imagine you'd to regulate an actual training program for your, your workloads on a specific session. So where you might go into a session knowing, right, today I need to do... Uh, 100 kilos at 8 to 12 reps over if you get in you feel like shit you might think well actually I'm going to do 90 today and auto regulate it my, I kind of take a similar approach to my deloads like when I get to say a certain week of my micro, uh, mesocycle I might push it another week if I feel the the kind of the drivers are allowing me to i.e. I'm not overly fatigued uh, I'm not maybe like a huge dieting period or, or stuff like that something that makes me feel like I probably shouldn't and I should take a, a kind of more precautionary approach so that way it's kind of like more an auto-regulation approach but there is some kind of structure to make sure you're still taking a deload and that you don't just keep training and training and training I did listen to um, what was it Broderick Chavez and I kind of it was a podcast and he, he trained really high end obviously drug using athletes and they were going for I think their blocks were like 12 to 14 weeks they were going on before they were deloading obviously obviously you're added in Artificial hormones that are helping a situation. It's like that feels like that feels like peck tear heaven, though. Mm, yeah, twelve to fourteen weeks. But this guy, this guy was my weight pretty much. But he may as well be comparing an apple to a flaming spade 
I thought you were say he may as well be be be, be um, compare an apple to a rock a rock of granite or something like a fucking massive lump of rock. <laughs> that, yeah, or that. It's like he's the same weight as me, but he's like totally and utterly a different animal. Totally massive compared to me. Leaner, bigger, obviously shorter. It's like goddamn. I think you've got to go with what your kind of clients preferences a little bit as well with that with the kind of the auto regulation and that sort of stuff so like uh, if you um if your client is somebody who needs re- like a regimented plan real stiff structure um you know they're a proper numbers person they want to see everything consistent over the different blocks and stuff then you've kind of got to go with more of a uh, a, a schedule deload um and whether you pick four weeks five weeks six weeks three weeks you know it's kind of then down to just the experience with that client um because i know i before now i've like I, I tend to stick to that kind of week four deload but you don't need deloads clients, when you don't train edward i didn't mean for me i meant with clients oh i was gonna say jesus <laughs> every week's a deload um so uh yeah um yeah, I've tried. I've trained twice this weekend. Uh, <laughs> oh, so fair, that's, that's a probably fair point, though. Sorry to just interject, but I do think yeah. like your deloads, like whether they happen, is also going to mean like no, is it also going to be determined by your level of training? It, if you're kind of staying away from failure by five reps every single week, you probably never need a deload. Yeah, like very rarely. But obviously, if you're pushing to failure more and more, either regularly in terms of every session or whether it's kind of something like johnny's described his um his progression model obviously is just pushing reps to failure down like one week to the next almost like four three two one failure obviously when you get to that point if you're hitting failure so every session for a week say you're probably going to start to think well that's logically where you're going to need to start to take deloads you can only push that so far so that kind of level of of in not, not i don't know if intensity is really the right word but that level of of kind of how hard you train um, it's going to determine you know, whether you need them or not, and then also maybe determine whether they're also regulated or pre-set. 100%, yeah. So like, if anybody is doing a resistant band training session like three or four times a week at the moment during lockdown and they're deloading, I would seriously be questioning them um, because are they really eliciting that much fatigue and kind of muscle fatigue uh, with resistant band training and stuff? So, Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not going to hundred percent agree, although I do agree with the principle that you're saying. But obviously, there are going to be occasions where people can still get really good training sessions out of things like resistance bands. My worry is always something like you, they kind of your your kind of muscle failing is not the limiting factor for a lot of these home workouts and things like train like basically you gas out almost, or you just get like physically knackered prior to actually fatiguing a muscle, which obviously all bored. If, and obviously yeah, all bored. And obviously, we're talking about in terms of hypertrophy here, if you're looking to grow muscle, you need to fatigue that muscle specifically that you're targeting. Um, and if you're just kind of trying to do 60 banded hack squats, like with your foam roller between your back and a wall, you know, however you're trying to make it up. And basically you're either getting bored, you find it really hard because everything keeps slipping or you're just gassing out, but you're not actually burning your quads out because you just can't basically get the right, on uh, enough stimulus through it. Then it does make it, pointless you know you know mm-hmm. you, you know it might feel like you're 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 burning out and you're you're sufficiently creating a stimulus and, and kind of reaching close enough to failure but actually if your limiting factor is something else then you're not yeah yeah which we spoke about quite a lot over the last few weeks haven't we say so, well last couple of months really yeah that sort of stuff so. anyway so did cool. you, do you want to add that or should i because I, I was i know i interjected you then i'm a bit rude uh, no, no, I made my point. No, the, the only thing I was going to ask Johnny was kind of, have you got any kind of number uh, examples of like where she's increased her lifts or anything like that through the the, like the training cycles and all that sort of stuff? I'd have to dig it out. I am going to hand. I'd have to download and dig it out. Is it safe to say she saw a very, very, very positive oh, yeah, ad- she was... adaptation in the gym oh. in terms of her performance? Oh, yeah, 100%. And because you're not, you're not going to say otherwise, are you? <laughs> <laughs> hey. Yeah. And because you obviously more, more calories and it was sustained rather than going, oh, and going off, oh, I put a bit too much weight on her and dropping back calories again. She, she was sustained in higher calorie, so yeah. she had a lot yeah. more energy and things were a lot better overall. So, so, so just to recap then, on terms of so you've 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 set this progressive overload um, or this progressive plan, 
you've then aligned a nutrition alongside uh, and you focused on a longer term gaining phase at a moderate or, or slower to moderate rate of weight gain in the or with the idea that you're going to be then limiting sort of fat gain because you know historically she's had some issues with kind of fat phobia or um as i like to call it form of fat boy syndrome but obviously she's not a boy so that doesn't really uh, apply so much in this case but well, it's that thing of you being in shape and you're in good shape, and you you won't you you can't stay. It's not sustainable generally. It's like stage shape. You can't sustain stage shape forever. But then when you gain a couple of pound, it psychologically makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's really hard to kind of push away from what you might see as kind of like one of your you know, especially if you're talking about um, either things like a photo shoot or or a stage where you got really really lean as well. It's really hard to push away from what you might consider your ideal or best ever physique to then inevitably put on some body fat because you're eating an energy surplus to try and promote the most hypertrophic um, environment for your own body to then think, oh, I'm getting fatter and I now look worse. That's a really difficult place to go psychologically, isn't it? Fine enough. But, uh, but I think about a year in or 14 months in, she was the best I've ever looked. Hmm. So, and then she was nine or Nine, ten pound heavier. Yeah. So you can. It's just it is as you did think. Well, actually, do I do look better? Because I, I, you know, I fill out a bit. Yeah. Which is bigger. Did, I was going to say, how did you work on her in terms of that kind of coaching mentality? So away from the numbers, away from the kind of progressive overload, away from her new actual nutrition. How did you work on the psychological side of her accepting her weight gain? Then I know you've you've obviously mentioned around you help combat it by a slower rate, but also implementing some um, kind of like practical things like mini cuts to try and uh, go through these cycles of gaining and, and losing some body fat to then reveal some of the muscle. What, what else did you do? Show a photo before and after. Obviously got, got measurements generally every fortnight, sometimes sometimes longer. Um, compare the things like the stomach and the hips. So you say, look, actually, you, you've gained substantial weight, however... Your stomach is slightly bigger. Your waist is slightly bigger. Yeah, it's not dramatically bigger. Showing a photo side by side of when she started to now, which is when she said, oh, I look the best I've ever looked. So I think in that, she's gone right in there. I think she's accepted I'm 10 pounds heavier, but I'm better. I look better now. I did 10 pounds lighter. Yeah. And I'd always say, like, how do you feel now they are 10 pounds heavier, 12 pounds heavier, 14 pounds heavier? Oh, well, actually, my jeans feel a bit, I feel a bit, um, other words i don't feel as good in in this pair of jeans anymore whatever i feel a bit frumpy you know that's not frumpy she doesn't speak to god but you know that sort of wording so when when they would come about i'd go all right then we'll just put a little mini cut in drop the water off i mean you're not going to lose muscle in three four weeks even with a pretty big deficit she dropped the water off and it does make a difference cut upon the water makes you feel a bit better lost so we do that and she feels better then she can go again and even though she'd gained the weight back obviously over time and she'd go further the next time so the mini cut next time would be heavier again when she'd feel oh i don't feel as good anymore in this so i, I get feedback from how she feels in terms of clothes and in herself yeah i think for, 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 for women and men's slightly different i think men can you don't like to be, you know, if you had abs, you would not have abs, but I think men could accept, ah, I'm a bit of a, bit of a fat bastard in these t-shirts now, but they can go, right, actually, I look big, or, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know, maybe some of the people I work with, but I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, again, just kind of the gender thing, just because there's plenty of men that feel still really oh, yeah. conscious about it. Um, what, what I will say is I do think, in my experience, I found men a bit easier to reassure. Yeah. As in, if you if you could, so a lot of things that you've said there for me feels like you're saying you're constantly kind of showing them evidence of where they're improving. You're constantly reassuring them, and you know we're not psychologists, so we're never going to come up with some magic mind trick like you are not fat or whatever. And then all of a sudden, you know, they believe it. It's not it's not that simple, is it? But I guess it's just more uh, along the lines of constant support and reassurance. And showing them kind of the evidence, like you said, the the positive sides of things, like the progress pictures, allowing them to kind of understand that, you know, gym performance is something to focus on instead, um, because obviously it then means that they can focus on their strength going up and, and kind of looking bigger in clothes if that's what they want to do and that type yeah. of stuff. And I think that with men, 
she never really moaned about it really. No. Now and again, so I feel like I said, if you, I don't feel right in these jeans anymore, but that was a couple of times, I mean, rarely. Yeah. Just got on with it. Which, which is a credit considering, obviously, yeah. you've said it, sound as though she came to you with some some fear of, of putting on body fat and stuff. But Yeah, she was, she's been really good, fair play. She's like, easy to work with, this is what you need to do, and she's just going to do it. You know what I mean, yeah. this is in an ideal world. That's what clients will do. Obviously, obviously, people have got their different lives, and they, but that's why it's important to not hire a coach and thinking they're going to do all the work for you. If you're if you're not in the right place to change, you won't. Yeah. If you spend a grand a month or a hundred quid a month, or fifty, ten quid a month, you won't change. So she wanted to, do, so she has. Cool, Ed. Uh, no, I've not really got any more sort of questions no. or anything. Mm. No, I think just this might not be interesting for people listening. I don't know, but I, I I think it's interesting just to hear kind of the the fact that the support is there for you know coaching is not just here's a macro planner, uh, you know go eat these macros or here's a training template. Obviously, all coaching should be completely personalised and will adapt and change as time goes. Which you know some of the questions asked around things like deloads. Um, how the nutrition might be periodized based on things like diet breaks and other stuff, which will all then be tailored to that individual client. And as things change and is dynamic and not just something that just happens, you know, set from the outset and then someone just goes follow it because albeit Johnny just described Janice there as a model client. My experience is people like that are few and far between for the most part, certainly in our era. We know we don't tend to deal with kind of your robotic prep type prep clients that, let's be honest, we'll probably would just do, do with a, a macro set once a week and they'll just go off and follow it for the most part. We deal with kind of people that are are not in that kind of robotic or consistent and that's why they're coming to us because they're actually looking for people to support them in building some consistency and some structure and some long-term habits, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. You, you, you know, if you have 10 clients, you might have one or two that are kind of robots and such. Well, they sort of become a bit more robotic, I suppose, the more you work with them. But to start off with, certainly, like, yeah, there's all these kind of barriers and, and things you have to battle through, and especially, like, the mental side of it with gaining weight and stuff like that. And I know we're sort of cutting through a bit on time, but um, the case study I was going to give was a sort of, yeah, I suppose it was kind of similar to, to, to Johnny um, in terms of putting on weight going from very lean to someone who you would still consider lean um but the fact that they're 11 kilos heavier now um and it's kind of going through that battle of um getting them to see the reasons why they need to gain them the weight uh to, to aid their other goals like gaining muscle and stuff but and then also uh reinforcing all the positive uh comments and positive behaviors and and just kind of everything that's going on around the weight gain um to say you know look we are doing the right thing please don't panic please don't get scared about it um especially when people are saying oh you know what you filled out a little bit and you absolutely you know you look way better for it um and kind of like fluffing that ego a little bit when those kind of comments come in and they tell you about them as well um you know if, if somebody's going from being very lean to sort of filling out a little bit to being you know, quote unquote slightly more normal or um uh, you know that could be very scary for them and they could see themselves as getting getting like you know getting fat especially if there's a bit of you know anorexia in there or something um but uh yeah it's kind of fluffing that ego and you know what you look amazing and uh, and that sort of stuff can be massively important uh, yeah just, I suppose, like, I don't know if we've even got time to go for any more. I know we were going to kind of try and go for one each, but we've gone for a lot. I, I don't know whether we should just touch on some of the things we were kind of chatting around previously, how prescriptive we are around stuff like, um, even things like your, your your kind of your rep ranges, so the types of coaching that we do for training, say. So obviously we might be seen as a nutrition company, but we obviously offer also training support as well. We're all qualified PTs, that type of stuff, so... Um, we're all got plenty of experience in programming for people. Um, what do you think, like Johnny? Let's let's go with you again, because um, what do you think around your? You said you didn't want to go into sets, reps, and talk too much about Janice's scenario, but just generally, kind of how prescriptive are you are around your sets, your reps, your program models? How much they change different people? Anything kind of on that line? So, so maybe some of the stuff that basically we were talking about prior to we were recording. I t- 
I think there's, there's, there's loads and loads of science now of how to train the rep ranges, the sets, tempos. Like people are like, oh, really? Just if people generally just trained hard, progressed week to week, then in terms of weight or sets or reps or whatever, then over the long term, they're doing well. I think sometimes you get bogged down in, right, you have to do four sets of six reps this week and you must do four sets of seven regardless of what happens even if your arm is falling off you have to do it so for me um i tend to give a range rather than like you've got to do three sets of six i'll go right let's go you can do three sets between six and nine what or whatever it is there so i i, t- I tend to give ranges and in terms of like exercises i'll set out either depending on who they are i'll go right do this 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 and this exercise or i'll go right use pick a back exercise pick a bicep exercise pick a tricep exercise pick a chest exercise and they'll decide then what they want to do because if, if they are uh, they'll, they'll probably pick their favorite exercise right? and with their favorite exercise they'll tend to stick to it more and they'll make more progress on it and I'd say, look, if whatever exercise you pick, you stick to that for this entire 15 weeks. So you can progress that exercise in that particular rep range. So I'm not too, mm, not super rigid. I'll just give a guidelines and sometimes I'll give them an exercise to do. If I, if I think, if I think, if I think that's, um, they need that sort of exercise. Or if they if they've never rode before doing whatever, or whatever they've never done um, certain exercises, they've, they've never squatted. Maybe I'll put that in. But generally, I'll, I'll leave them decide what exercise they want to do. And if I if but if I see they consistently picking the same one, but they're not making the progress I think they could be making on something else, I'll tell them no, remove that, put something else in. Because yeah. some do like they do stick to certain exercises and. Like I myself don't like lunges, even though they they are really good. I just think it's so hard. Like, oh, I'm dealing with these. However, sometimes you need you you've got to go there. Sometimes you've got to go into that place where you don't want to do them, but you've got to do them because of you know benefits that they have. So they'll have um, guidelines of rep range between this and this exercises they they can select most of the time, and then we'll go from there. Because, you know, most of the time, if they can stick to something, they'll make progress. It's pointless being optimal if they can't stick to it. Well, it's totally pointless being optimal if they can't stick to it. And I think a lot of people in probably our peers more than clients who just get bogged down in the science. It's like half the science that comes out now is so nuanced. It doesn't matter to anyone in the general population whatsoever. It's like it may affect the Olympic athlete who's at the top of the tree, but for most of us now as long as a client enjoys what they're doing progresses weight rep sets over time then they will make progress obviously depending on genetics it's like what we were kind of discussing before we were saying you know people will argue over or people stress over two or three reps a week um, and that's across all exercises all body parts um, when you kind of really start putting um big numbers to things like we were like discussing before about um people saying oh you know the the perfect rep brain like amounts of reps to do in a week for you know for, for the perfect session should be 250 to 290 reps a week whatever it was that we said um we're saying it's ridiculous because if somebody does you know 260 reps one week and then 259 the next they're going to stress over it but realistically if they're a bit more beat up or if they put the weight up and you know things like that there's just so many different factors at play um what are their rep ranges as well if they're working in the higher rep ranges 20 odd reps then uh you know it can come down to all sorts of different factors like we were discussing earlier compared to if somebody was doing a load of singles you know it completely comes down to well yeah your goal if it's hypertrophy that's what they're kind of saying but like you say, you know, if you're training hard, you're training within a rep range of, you know, six to 15 reps, something like that, um, through your different exercises, bit of a range, some on the lower end, some on the higher end, 
um, and you're using common sense and then progressive overload in terms of weight um, rep sets all that sort of stuff to increase the volume over over time over the weeks then you're pretty much on for a winner and you know there's not really going to be anybody that's going to argue you about that even your kind of bodybuilders who don't believe in science and are just like right you know just put the iron on the bar and you lift um but even they're sort of saying the same sorts of things aren't they they're talking about uh, progressive overload well you know why haven't you put another one two five on that you know you, you've if it felt easy then go heavier or you know if it felt easy do another rep you know all that sort of stuff it's progressive overload um and then they're also going to be the same guys who are going to say you know if it's hard this week then just ease off and do uh higher rep work or well, that's a deload or in some sort of way um so you know we're all singing off the same hymn sheet but it's just whether you want to sort of really get geeky with it um and I think also sometimes like when you you know you get clients who are like really into uh, the process and starting doing their own research, a bit like the kind of the client you were talking about today, Johnny. Um, sometimes they can kind of like start over researching things as well, and then start sort of questioning the process. But like, well, that person says that, and it's like, yes, but if you want to change your your approach every two seconds because this person's saying that, that person's saying that, then you're never going to make that progress over time because you're constantly chopping and changing all the time and i think that's where a lot of people who start start out start reading men's health like that's the worst for it i remember a podcast um certain radio show that uh, every week they had a different guest on or every other week and uh, they always had a different approach with things especially nutrition they always had a different approach and so if you followed everything you heard gossibly um you would constantly be changing uh, all the time and it like just doesn't help people. So sometimes you do kind of have to turn around to clients and say, look, you know, this is the, the process that, that we're going to follow for the next 12 weeks, 16 weeks, whatever it's going to be. And, you know, if we're not making progress, then that's when we'll look at maybe changing them something. But, um, you know, if you kind of stick to the plan sort of thing, um, not telling people not to question, but at the same time, like you're kind of saying, you know, do the research. That's great. I can explain why that works, why that doesn't work, why we're not doing that, why we're doing this over that. Um, but yeah, sometimes you can kind of get, uh, what was the quote? The, um, uh, the over information quote, quote that we said earlier on. Yes, analysis by paralysis. So, yeah, you can just read too much, can't you, and apply too much to, to a situation. So sometimes you do need to kind of just be a bit more bro about things, I suppose, in the kind of the way you explain things just so people don't get too confused and that. So, yeah. well, so stick to the basics. and That's all I ever need. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, you know, we're not working with the one percenters or the, the half a percenters, are we? So uh, we're, we're well within that bell-shaped curve. And if you are listening to this and you're not a GB athlete or something like that, then unfortunately you are also in the bell-shaped curve, so don't go thinking you're too special. But even in the body, but the, 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 say the Olympias are not even a percent of the they're like the point zero 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 one percent of the world. Whatever they do works because they're genetic freaks who take loads and loads of steroids. It's like <laughs> you can go go on go and go and plot some pa- pa- pots and plants. I probably they probably still be massive. You know I mean, look at Ronnie Coleman; he's fifty odd. His spine is hanging out. And he's still in better shape than probably most thirty-year-olds will ever be in terms of muscle size and, and amount. I think I'd rather my spine. You can do what you want. It's like there's a, obviously you need to base what you do on science, but you, you, the nuances people talk about it's like who really gives a shit about that? Who cares about lifting two to one to three to one? Really, does it matter? Over as long as you're controlling the weight. Doesn't matter. For three, four, five seconds down, whatever. I know five is a bit ridiculous, but you know what I mean. Stick to basic exercises, increase reps or weight sets over time. When you're totally fucked and you regress two weeks in a row, take a week off, go again and do that. Don't worry about right, two, two, if you train chest twice a week, it's more than training one. But I mean, really, if you train one over two over your training lifetime, how much is really going to make a difference? Because most of your gains are made in the first couple of years. If you're not big within three years of training, you ain't never going to be big. Mm. You know what I mean? Because you, you you gain most of your muscle in the first couple of years. So, no, it's just pennies in the jar. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's all pennies in the jar. I think um, essentially we kind of have to say, right, all training programs that you would prescribe have to kind of start with a few least very basic training principles so i guess specificity is going to be your first one that yeah. obviously the training is going to have to be specific to what their goal is and obviously if we're talking about hypertrophy 
then it's going to be some form of um, resistance training plan that has, you know, these some of the other principles in there of volume, intensity, and progressive overload. Say, so you're going to have some sufficient volume to help growth. You're going to have sufficient intensity to obviously make sure that the you, you're at least meeting a threshold of of weight on the bar to stimulate, you know, a response in in hypertrophy. Um, and then it needs to have some form of progressive overload, like Johnny's already said. So then you've kind of you could dig into the detail of you know exercise selection and stuff, which obviously we can't go through all in here. We've done other episodes of the podcast where we've gone into more of that. But you're gonna you're gonna have generally your basic movement patterns of a um, a squat, a push, a pull, you know, hip hinge, whatever. Um, and I suppose like Johnny, what you're trying to say is for most people trying to overthink a lot of that stuff is probably just wasted Oops, wasted headspace yeah i think yeah. You, can, you can basically get a long way with just sticking to some quite basic movements and that's it will change in a lot of factors don't get me wrong like obviously when we're programmed for clients we have to take into account their ability their access to equipment their preferences injuries. all of that type yeah injuries all of that type of stuff but for the most part like you know you're going to have a squat in there and then you're going to be like, okay, well, what type of squat can you do based on, you know, your competency based on the equipment you have and all that type of stuff. And you basically build like when Johnny, when you said, oh, you kind of let them pick their own stuff. That's kind of what you mean, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah. And then all you then, then you're going to build in as a coach, build in to say, right, okay, well let's, let's kind of build in some, some volume marks where we would kind of hit certain volumes and then progress that over time. And the same thing with kind of your auto regulation, you choose an auto, like, not auto-regulation, your progression, sorry. You choose a method of progression which might be auto-regulated or not or whatever. Um, so it's just, a, I suppose there is a lot that goes into it in terms of building a training plan. There's a lot of thought and, and thought process behind kind of building it all. But our approach very much is let's try and do the basics and do the basics very well and, and keep it as simple because we feel like most people adhere better that way rather than trying to make it really complicated and really sexy, yeah. And I think I think people forget it's it's health and fitness, and it should it should benefit your life. And sometimes people are I won't go and do, like people say, oh don't go to failure because whatever. And, it, and it's like well I've gone to the gym. I thought I'm going to nail myself today till I fall over. Just because I want to do it because it's a bit of fun. It's like I'm going to squat thirty reps just to see what happens and see how much I can hurt myself. Not hurt, you know, but only you know. your lungs will blow up, mate. And sometimes it's, it's a few people. It's a few in the gym. You just go at it, didn't you? You're in a session, you're doing squats, you're trying to beat the next guy next to you. Competitive, you just do it. Fuck what you're supposed to be doing. Just get into it and have a have a, have a bit of a laugh. Something different because it's it's a good session for you. Maybe you, know, maybe you won't get anything out of it in terms of like you've overtrained to buggery and you're going to be in a... No, no, don't be wrong. You're going to be in a wheelchair the next day. You know what I mean? But it's like, you know, it's a bit of fun. Why yeah. not? What what you're saying is obviously you know again you're going to have these you're going to have a training session a plan built on these these principles yeah. of hypertrophy, but it doesn't mean there isn't space for a little bit of fun every now and then. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying do that every day because you won't last very long. But you know, every every, every once in a blue moon, then you know, have a go like on it. Checking out one rep maxes, isn't it? It's just yeah. Oh, we don't make fun. a what, isn't it? Twenty. It's what is it? Twenty. 20 reps with a weight you normally do for 10 reps but you pause at the top have a couple of breaths go again pause go again for an extra 10 Fuck it's pain that. terrific it's horrific however you've after it you feel like you've got legs like Ronnie Goldman I remember once doing a it was 100 uh, calf raises barbell calf raises uh, you had to do with 100 in as, in, in as little sets as possible I think I did it in about three sets, and you had to like kind of pick your weight. I can't remember what the the parameters for picking the weight was, but um, it was like the weight you could do twenty with or something like that. And I think I ended up doing it in about three sets, and I couldn't walk for two days afterwards. Then I had a job induction at Alton Towers, as such as like when I was a teen. And um, bear in mind how big Alton Towers is; they decided to walk us around the park. And the day before, I couldn't like generally couldn't walk, couldn't get out of bed. Um, and uh, so I like hobbled around there all morning and I had to play hockey that evening, uh, that afternoon. And honestly, like it was the, some of the most like it's, it's the worst arms I've ever had, like period. Um, and I've done it again since, but 
not to that extreme of being an absolute douche so I can't walk them for two or three days you're not, it's just you're detrimental not, you're not selling yeah. this whole let's have fun sessions type of thing <laughs> I know Johnny's just said think, Johnny's, yeah. just, Johnny's <laughs> literally said yeah go on have a bit of fun every now and then you know you know, there's, there's always room for a bit of that in a programme and then you're like yeah that's the worst times I've ever had couldn't walk for fucking four weeks <laughs> well, you, know, you, do, you do these things don't you you see them little challenges like we've put them in groups before and I've been in groups that have had them before where it's like you know do this or you've got to pick a weight that you can squat for 20 minutes or whatever and you just keep going it's like it's a bit of fun isn't it but it does completely fuck up your whole training week uh, we, when don't, take, like, yeah. we don't we don't some shit you train with a guy he was from eastern block i can't remember why he's in his well he's probably in his 50s i was early 20s he was in his 40s right and he's only one of these guys he's he must be one in a million just an absolute freak i mean i've seen it i've seen him curl 50s kilo dumbbells like he's some yeah, I trained him for two years, didn't deadlift once. Walked over to the powerlifter, was doing 300 kilos on a deadlift, and picked it up like it was nothing. I was like, oh, how are you doing that? I've trained him five days a week for two years. He's now deadlifted. But obviously, previously, he must have. But like a leg session would be, you can see why I stopped in the end. You would warm up on the extension with five sets of between 50 and 100 reps. So he's flying through it. I'm, I'm spewing after the third set this is his first exercise now this is impossible I enough to do it once every moment for a laugh but every every session you're going to collapse into a heap <laughs> and die i yeah uh, i called tom platz out on it a bit when i did a training session with him a few years ago and um so he's talking about this like mega crazy you know training to absolute failure you know five more reps anybody can do five more reps and all this pause at the top we'll give yourself 10 seconds go again another five reps baby can do five reps all this like and he's kind of going through it all mr motivator style and everything and we're training and and all this and at the end i was a bit i just said to him i says like there's a bit of a q a bit and i said so like he took me through in a leg extension session and like, I must have done about 70 reps or so. And um, it just, like, it, it was really painful. There was two or three different sort of uh, methods of um, like force negative, stuff like that kind of, all, all these sort of ways that you do for finishing exercises. But there was like three of them in one set and I literally did one set and I had doms for the rest of the week. Um, like literally off one set for, for a session. And um and I said to him, I was like, so how often would you train like that then? To that absolute intensity. And he's like, oh, once every few weeks. But then he's talking about it as though like, that's how he trains every single session. It's just for so show, he... isn't it? It's just yeah, a show piece. Yeah. He's, he's, but exactly. fair, he's, he's doing these things to make some money. And obviously, he's not going to come out and do his usual workout because obviously it'd be boring as fuck. Instead, yeah. he's just doing his little show piece bit. So. Exactly. Which, which and that's, suppose... what he, that's what he was selling. Yeah. yeah. I suppose this kind of aligns with what Johnny's saying, like, when he's saying about oh, going out and having a bit of a fun, that's that's all it really is—a bit of a showpiece for a bit of when you just want something a bit different, which we all do. I usually, to be honest, never do that on squats, and I would go, "Let's go do some arms," because I barely ever tra- <laughs> I barely ever train arms. I keep saying that's to myself, your showpiece. <laughs> yeah, I keep saying to myself every time I program, I write a new meso cycle. I'm like, right, this meso cycle, I'm going to focus on some more arm, direct arm work, and then it never happens. So um, yeah, so it is nice to every now and then just do like an arm session, like a bro session. It's, yeah it's like when you you know the times when we meet up and train or whatever we probably push it a bit more than what we would do in a normal session or whatever wouldn't we like you know because it's a bit of fun you're with your mates you don't normally train with them so you kind of want to show them what you can do and yeah so yeah. you kind of do it a bit up, do a session on legs and see who dies first <laughs> generally dies well clearly that'd be, uh, Matthew, a... that'd be Matthew Morgan so I don't think he'd get for a set so <laughs> not if the set took longer than five minutes no <laughs> on that note we are an hour and eight in so I feel like I want to call it here yeah that's uh, before we ramble and moan too much more <laughs> more too, yeah, much, too much more, more. <laughs> okay bye 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 thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast we'll speak to you all next week <laughs>